honorable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gon' be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a Brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> Aziz. Hey, Jay, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Potable! The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, Jay King, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, and we are coming to you live after the Celtics lose Game 6 and the Eastern Conference Finals to the Miami Heat. It turns out they just had no match for Heat culture. I'm going to put my hand up. I didn't think it was a thing. You, you are now officially Jam Adebayo, son of Bam, grandson of Heat culture. I got to get my body fat down. Um, I got to start wearing pads to practice. I got to do everything that the Heat do um, because the Celtics just threw away another game. It really, like, it happened very, very quickly. They did a very good job of kind of getting themselves back into this game. Grant Williams entering the game, and the Celtics went on something like 22-8 to run. Uh, They were up 96-90 to with about nine minutes to go. Uh, and then Bam decided, you know what, I'm going to play like Giannis Antetokounmpo and just drive and be an absolute monster. Just and crush motherfuckers. And the Celtics, like, took the punch uh, initially. Like, they kind of exchanged baskets. Uh, and then, like, the five-minute mark came. Spo took a timeout. You had a quick uh, three from Duncan Robinson, then a nice pull-up from Tyler Hero. Then, boom, Brad takes a timeout, and then the Celtics just, like, it felt like didn't make a shot after that and did not even enter the paint after that. Uh, they sh- shot, what, 2 of 14 from 3 in the fourth quarter. Uh, it felt like they felt the game slipping away, and their answer to it was to try and take uh, more threes. Some of them were pretty good looks. Like, they, I thought Kemba got some good looks there, things he didn't knock down. I thought Tatum got some good looks. I mean, the reason they were actually in this game – is because they were 11 for 23 in the first half uh, from deep, and they were knocking down their threes, but then really went cold there. And it, it's I'm still kind of shocked about how quickly it all happened. It was like span of a couple minutes there. It went from feeling pretty good about game seven to, wow, this is over. Yeah, it went bam, dunk, bam, and one. Bam, there goes the Celtics season, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> another another bad bad bam pump <laughs> i'm gonna miss the bad band puns i'm not gonna lie um yeah i mean the celtics finally played defense early in the fourth quarter grant williams was a big part of that jalen brown had a dynamite stretch where he went dunk steal layup celtics were up six in the fourth all all series long they just couldn't close out games they either won in a blowout or lost every time the game was close in the fourth quarter. They just couldn't handle the heat down the stretch. I don't know whether it was fatigue. I don't know whether it was they just didn't mentally lock in well enough to execute down the stretch. But every fourth quarter, when it mattered, the heat became unstoppable and the Celtics started settling for worse shots. That was the story of the series. It was the story of game six. And Bam Adebayo was an absolute menace. He totally took over the fourth. It wasn't really, for a while, anybody else. It was strictly Bam just crushing the Celtics. And he took the game from them. And obviously, that that stretch killed the Celtics, but... 
just as damning was their defense for the first three quarters was just not, not good. good. They gave up a lot of open threes, and I know Andre Iguodala hit four three pointers. You he'll live probably, with those, but like that's he'll the probably part of never their game do that plan. again. But there were there were a bunch of just bad bad defensive breakdowns by the Celtics, and that first half, it, like you never would have known it was a closeout game for them, an elimination game for them. The way they played defense in the first half and their offense was great for most of the game they they scored and scored and scored they they destroyed the heat zone for most of the game until they went cold down the stretch but their defense was bad all game long yeah no i mean it there was an offensive battle in the first half which is not something i thought we were going to see especially after some of the ugly uh kind of early starts of the game we had, but it was, yeah, it was both teams scored 60 points in the first half and it was kind of this offensive battle. Um, and they were able to step up and really slow down the heat with the, going to that grant lineup. Uh, and when they went small, I mean, as good as my main man, Danny two blocks was um, in game five, it felt like he really Tice just really struggled um, when he came back into the game. Basically they had already given up uh like they, they were up 96, 90. And then they had that kind of stretch where it's like Tyler hero scored five points and then managed like 30 seconds. And it's like close game. Then you get Tyson Gordon, come back into the game and Tice just, he's never going to be able to keep up with bam. And it just felt like they're the defensive intensity other than that stretch to end the third and start the fourth was just not there for the entire game. And the only thing that kept them in the game uh, was their just kind of good three point shooting their offense. And, the thing that's the problem with the Celtics is that like they were had the ability to go on runs and they like could answer the uh, the heat within games, but it never felt like the they had the ability to just like to draw on anything or just like to go to a, a consistent play on offense or consistent anything. Like the Heat, it's just like okay, give it to Bam and like kind of let him play make. I don't know what the Celtics go to move was, and they certainly did not figure it out at any point. Um, when they're giving up a lead in game one of the series, when they're giving up a lead in game two of the series, uh, basically in all any of the losses, when it came time down to brass tacks, the Celtics did not have it. The uh, brass tacks. Yeah. They did not have the brass tacks. Where did that, that phrase come That's from? That's a good common phrase. When it comes down to brass tacks, you know, you, you got to It's put up or shut up. And the Celtics, like their offense, like for some reason, they if the – Everyone watching would know, like, go to the paint, go, like, attack the rim. They did some of that when they kind of kept it close. Like, Tatum had some nice takes there where there's, like, keeping it in a rim from, like, the 90 to 100 range where they're kind of exchanging buckets. And then it kind of slipped away from them, and it just kind of felt like panic mode with four minutes left to play. We just got to do nothing but chuck threes instead of, like, they had nothing to rely on. They had no deposits in the um, bank of trust. <laughs> You're pulling, pulling out all the outrageous – outrageous quotes tonight i just thought like tice was really on his heels all night maybe it was because of foul trouble he wasn't nearly as sharp as he had been in game five i thought quietly he kind of dominated the second half of game five he was he was phenomenal in game five he was awesome and then he picked up a bunch of pretty borderline Cheapish fouls. Two fouls on rebounds that are just like rebounding fouls. You just you feel like that's complete discretion of the referee. Not always, but these were pretty. They were not obvious. And then some of the was shooting fouls. There was just not a lot of contact there. Not surprising. The war on Tice has a big impact, but it wasn't like maybe he's not playing as aggressive because he's in foul trouble. But it felt like Bam was just so much more athletic and. Bam said after game five that, like, the reason they lost is because he had a shitty game. Um, you know what? Bam is a – like Kemba said after game, Bam's a star, and he played like one. He he dominated Tice. Uh, and there's, like, Grant had his moments uh, where he played well, but you just can't rely on Grant Williams to, like, play clutch minutes then like, play the entire fourth quarter. Yeah, I don't think you can really fault Brad Stevens for going back to Daniel Tice. He, he's been by far the best center all season long. It hasn't even really been close. He was fantastic as recently as game five. He's been the best answer for the Heat all all series. So I know Grant had that stretch where he was really effective and the switching was kind of slowed down the Heat for the only time the Celtics did it all game. 
But you can't get mad at Brad, I think, for, for going to Tice, back to Tice. But I do oh, think but like people will get mad at Brad. <laughs> and so it's the, the, the and one was kind of a shot. Like, I, I think Tice backed up a little too far, maybe, but like a, a bam little floater runner thing, like that's kind of what you want him to that, shoot. That's the, the, thing the, about the dunk was the dunk wasn't good defense, but like bam, bam hit a bunch of shots that you j- just kind of tip your cap. Like the one, I think it was in the fourth quarter when he hit the back rim, it popped straight up, went back in. There were there were a few of those where it's like, okay, Bam's hitting jumpers and he can do that. If he ever becomes a great finisher, he's going to be such a problem. My goodness, because he can already play make. He's already a physical, physical athlete. And if he ever becomes a more aggressive, better playmaker, he's going to be such a good player. And like if if he knocks down shots, like they showed the graphic from ESPN with his shot chart tonight, and like it was not a lot of stuff in the restricted area. He was getting a lot of like floaters and like jump shots in the paint. And that's like kind of where you want to force Bam to take shots. If Bam's going to take shots, he was just very good. And then when he was started getting going, they paid a lot of attention to him, and he was just very like the Heat with all the cutting they do. Bam did a great job of like just finding them. That led to like a lot of Jimmy Butler uh, open layups, but. I think like the biggest criticism from like uh, besides kind of that play late is that the Celtics did have a lot of chances in this game, like smoking bunnies left and right. Like so many, so much bunny smoking. It was so much bunny smoking, wide open bunnies. Gordon Hayward, some of their best finishers. Yeah, and it was not good. Gordon Hayward, I don't know if he's hurt or he he wasn't good tonight. It was just wasn't other than the two three pointers he made. I don't remember him doing positive things on the basketball court. I feel, I feel bad for that guy because he missed the birth of his son for this. But first year he gets injured. Second year, he's ineffective. Most of the year, third year, he gets injured just as the playoff run is happening when he's playing really great basketball, playing the best basketball of his Celtics. And he came back and he, he never, was whether it was because of the injury, because of the time off, because of whatever the reason was. He wasn't the Gordon Hayward that the Celtics had all season. He seemed a little hesitant. He, I mean, he was getting beat defensively pretty easily. I, he did not have a, a good series. He did not have a good game. And you, you really do feel bad for the guy because it's just like tough circumstances that it happened in the playoffs and he came back and just, didn't have much to give. No, and it it really showed it, but like I don't know what else you do. Kemba was also in foul trouble this game. Um you gotta play your guys eventually. I mean, the Celtics pretty much went in this season or went in the playoffs, you knowing that they're gonna have basically six or seven guys. We knew that their depth their bench depth was just not there. I mean, you saw Brad try to squeeze like a second rotation out of Cantor just to kind of survive. We saw a Time Lord. The Cantor minutes was the one Stevens coaching decision that I, you can't try I, it again. You can't try it in, again. I was like, nah, yeah, nah. But even that, it's like I don't know. It felt like the the first half of these games. I know this is like kind of a nonsense take, but like the first half in the entire like for every game in the series didn't really feel like it mattered that much. I mean, he was a he was a minus. 11 in seven and a half minutes of a game the Celtics lost by 12, even though they got pummeled down the stretch. That's, I mean, I'm not saying it was a good choice. He was clearly quite bad, but the Celtics were still took a lead and were up, and Cantor never touched the court in the second quarter. And I know we gave him so much credit for playing well in game five, and I, I did think he helped kind of push the Celtics offense back on track in that game. He was still barely a plus in that. Like he played really well and was still not like this enormous, enormous plus. He didn't play as well tonight. And they were just taking they were taking advantage of him with Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala, like the the play where not just the threes, but then the the dribble handoff with Tyler Hero, where he gets a roll and gets an easy dunk, no recovery. It's like you're giving up wide open roll dunks to Andre Iguodala. That just can't happen. And I, I do think 
Like Grant Williams wasn't a bad option in this series. Robert Williams, I don't know what he did to get banished to the bench all series, but Brad he, it, Brad never really trusted Robert Williams, and I know there are reasons for that, but you wonder if if he could have given the Celtics more than Cantor did. Well, like Time Lord came into this game and had a pretty like big impact on the game. He made two consecutive stops that led to Celtics buckets in transition, um, but it felt like he never did anything to earn. It felt like Brad would only experiment with the, the backup bigs in the first half in this series, and then the second half is pretty much let's shorten the rotation to six or seven, and you're never going to see Cantor, and you're never going to see Time Lord. I don't know. He's still a little shaky on the defensive end in terms of his decision-making, but he's so athletic and gives like changes things at the rim so much that you think it would have um, at least changed things or give the, the uh, heat a different look. But again, I, I just go back to like, it was so quick how everything kind of unfolded and how the Celtics went from basically up by six to down by seven, like in the, it felt like two minutes of actual basketball. Um, and so I don't know. It just, I don't know. They lost. It makes game the, the big leads lost in game one and two, like feel that much worse. I don't know why this game doesn't feel as bad as those two games, but um maybe just because they were had much bigger leads in the, in the first two games, but the Celtics just didn't have enough. Like they, they fought to the end. It's not like they gave up like a, a, the Kyrie series against Milwaukee. They just got thoroughly outplayed and it's probably got to do with their body fat. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was, they lost a six point lead in, but that doesn't mean anything anymore. But then they they got back up again, and it was just a a massive massive run for the Heat, just a just a blitz. I, I don't I don't know what it was about the fourth quarters. They just could not execute with Miami when it mattered most, and it happened all series long. I do think Brad going to the super small lineup, like he I think he kind of tried to do it out of desperation tonight. Um, well, that that lineup just doesn't work if Gordon Hayward's not playing like at his and best. I, I'm level. not sure it works a lot in the first place, especially against a team that like takes care of the ball and values possession like the Heat do. Like the one stretch that lineup did work was when Jalen Brown had 19 steals in a row, and they just kind of trampled the Heat. Otherwise, I don't know if that was ever an answer, there was never proof this season, except for that one stretch that that was a viable option. And Brad kept trying to play it in the playoffs. I don't blame him because it's his best five players and the backup center options were all not great, but that's, that's, that's a tough, tough. I don't know what, what they're, Plus minus was tonight. It wasn't good. They really, really struggled. It seemed like defensively when they went to those lineups, except for that one burst at the end of the second half, was it? of Or the first half of uh, game three. Yeah. The wild thing is, though, is like entering the playoffs, if you said the Celtics lose in the Eastern Conference Finals, you would be like, oh, yeah, that, that make, makes sense. They kind of go out to potential there's like more disappointment because you like they had the potential to win the game and they it's not who we expected it's not them losing to um one of the best play, like the the mvp in the bucks but like bam Adebayo just played phenomenal and was a big man and we me hand up writing like going into the season i said the celtics have like don't have a chance of winning the title this year because they just don't have the bigs to kind of compete and i wrote that article basically thinking about Giannis and Joel Embiid in mind, but it turns out like the super talented big that they would couldn't match up against was from uh, the Miami heat. And you like, you do have to give them some credit for stepping up and kind of bam, just being much better basketball player than I like had any idea. He's just very, very good. But like the Celtics, I don't know. Is it a disappointing season? He is like, your father. I Sam Jam Bam Packard is what they're going to call me now. Um, but like crazy things just to like to come down to the bubble. It's been a full year. Like I think Brad said that they started practice in for the season. I need a vacation, man. It's been I need wild. One. But is it like 
I, like we can talk about this more, I guess, next week because you probably have to go right. But I don't even know. I I, I can't think let's, it's a bad let's, season. Let's keep let's keep chatting a little bit, Jam. This is <laughs> this is a it's a landmark. It's a landmark, not the kind of landmark any Celtics fans wanted, but this is a landmark. And I I feel you when you wonder if this was a productive season because I do think this was this was a title shot. And it was the first real title shot of the Brad Stevens era. And I think it's, it's probably more frustrating for the Celtics to lose to the Heat, who I still think they're, they're, they're at still least not as good. good. <laughs> not, not that they're not good, but it, like the Celtics are at least on the level of the Heat. On paper, the Celtics have more talented players than the Miami Heat, but they like don't have it at the right positions. Like having a talented five is much more valuable than any. Well, like the Celtics probably have too many wings. Like is like the idea. I, you have you can question like I think the roster construction of having your best five lineup basically not being able to be effectively on the court. Like that's probably not the best way to construct a team like you and as good as Daniel Tice was this year and kind of emerged as a kind of um, pretty underrated guy. It's just like, you probably want to have your best five guys be able to close in a game. And that's just never was the case for the Celtics this year. Yeah. And I think a lot of things went right. And if you look at the way the roster is constructed, you'd think, okay, they get to the Eastern conference finals they have Jason Tatum, who's 22, and Jalen Brown, who's 23, probably as their best two players throughout the playoffs. And you you think, okay, well, they, those guys gave away some games in crunch time. They're super young. They're going to be there in the future. It's totally understandable for them to go through those types of struggles in the playoffs, right? What what isn't so understandable is to do it against a Heat team that has a lot of young guys too. That it's it was like Tyler Hero doing it. He's a rookie. It was Duncan Robinson with five threes in Game Six. He's effectively a rookie after playing mostly in the G League during his rookie season. It's Bam Adebayo, who he's a super young player too. So when you think about like it, really was reasonable for the Celtics to have the problems that they did in the playoffs it's just because of the matchup because so many young guys on the heat were doing it and because you know next next year the nets are going to come back with Kyrie and KD healthy and the warriors are going to have a healthy roster again and the sixers may not be broken and the bucks will come back and they're still going to be an eastern conference force as long as they keep Giannis and so and then they heat like they're super young. They have flexibility to go out and pursue another guy, whether it's this summer or next. So when you think about all those things, even though the Celtics are young, even though Tatum has another level to reach and Jalen has another level to reach. And a lot of these guys are only going to get better as they keep going. And it probably, it shouldn't be that tough to add to a bench that was pretty minimal. I think that it's okay to, to look at all those problems and be like, that's totally understandable for this group, but also realize this was a big missed opportunity for the Celtics in a year when the the title was really wide open. And I don't know if it's as wide open as it seems sometimes because the Lakers have been awesome and the Lakers look very much like the title favorite who are going to be <laughs> very tough to beat in the finals. But like – the East at least was very wide open. And this, this was a swing and a miss in a year. The Celtics could have had it, had a chance at least to, to play the Lakers in the finals. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's disappointing just because it feels like they had the, just like the way they played at the end of like the second half of game five is like, they had everything, they had everything to uh, the intangibles to kind of beat this heat team. Uh, but it really like did come down to choking away the games one and two, um, and just kind of the struggles in game six, like they, everything was there for the taking. You still think that, I mean, a team like the Lakers are just going to walk away with the NBA finals. Although I am officially stopping questioning uh, heat culture, but when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, like 
generally the uh, talent wins out, but who knows? Maybe a scrappy team with a Eric Spolstra um, who's balding. People don't talk about that, but he's very bald. Um, maybe they do it. I just, I don't know. They're like they, they had the chances and they just like failed to execute. And I can't like, they try. I, I don't know. It's like they tried real hard. It, I, I hate to like come down to that, but it's like they just didn't really have it. I think there's like you can have some built-in excuses from Hayward being hurt. I don't know how badly Kemba's knee was, but it didn't. I feel like I expected more from Kemba Walker, and I don't know how much of his like okay, we this is Tatum's team down the stretch now because he's emerged as a star. But I feel like I've seen more dominant offensive performances from Kemba when he was a member of the. Um, Hornets and actually earlier in the season where he was getting routinely getting like kind of 30 point games. We did not see that version of Kemba Walker in the playoffs. And it felt like um, they needed a closer and without having kind of the dominant Kemba that I think like, I just really, it was basically all relying on Tatum where sometimes he had it and sometimes he didn't. And so I don't know, like Kemba definitely wasn't going to make an excuse about his knee. He says as much after the game, but it didn't feel like, if you're going to have a roster construction of basically around these young guys, you bring in kind of the veterans like Hayward and like uh, Kemba to kind of not make mistakes. And and I just think both of those guys really like underperformed. It could be both the injuries, but I don't like want to give that excuse, but that's the kind of the, the roster construction is you have these two young growing stars for balance, for structure. You have the kind of savvier vets who are supposed to step up in these moments, but for whatever it was, was Kemba had never had like, the dominant he didn't have like a signature Kemba game or a game where Kemba he took over, which we know he's more than capable of. Um, but it just never occurred in this playoffs. Yeah, and I wonder I do think the the knee was bothering him for sure. I don't know how much it bothered him. I don't know how much of it was just playing deep in the playoffs for the first time against two awesome coaches in Nick Nurse and Eric Spolstra. And then the other part of it too is those those teams played zones a ton of zone defense like we've talked about before the Celtics played more zone defense in the a playoff run I'm 100% positive than any team in NBA history ever has and so those defenses are designed to stop what Kemba Walker does which is the the high you know pull up three pointers off the pick and roll and break you down off the dribble and all that stuff so I do think he was definitely hindered by the knee, but I also think like the Celtics need to figure out how to have him still be capable of those huge games that you were talking about while other teams are going to be in junk defenses. And that, that's going to be part of it. And Tatum is going to be their best player moving forward. Kemba, he needs to be a, a – a very good scorer, though. He needs to be a catch-and-shoot three guy, which I just don't think he's ever been in his career because he's always been the guy with the ball in his hands late. And it felt like, especially in this game, in game six, that he just didn't knock down like, open threes. He's capable of hitting them, but he was three of ten from three tonight. And like I think that's just not generally his game. But if Tatum's going to be the primary ball handler and Tatum was – fantastic tonight. Tatum had 24 and 11 assists, almost had a triple-double with seven rebounds. Like Tatum, If Tatum's going to be the main guy you want with the ball in your hands, Kemba's going to have to be a guy who can kind of spot up and shoot. Yeah, and, and I, I think he probably learned, too, during this playoff run, he's got to extend his range. And I, I know, like, obviously you see Dame Lillard go out there, and now he's shooting from the logo. You don't have to necessarily do that. But every f- foot behind the arc – you can shoot from and shoot from comfortably without sacrificing your percentages. That's, that's another attempt or two. You can take a game and that's, that's an attempt or two that you can take with maybe a lesser contest than if you're always trying to get to the line. So I, I think that's, that's going to be a big part of his off season workout regimen is just extending that range and getting to, you know, a few feet beyond the arc, like, like a lot of the other top point guards do. And I know, Kemba's kind of like a self-made shooter, so maybe that. What, what, what does that mean? He wasn't like a natural shooter. Like Damian Lillard has probably always been a shooter his entire life. Kemba was just a break you down, get to the bucket guy until like year three in Charlotte, and I don't know how that 
will impact him as he tries to add range, if it will impact him at all. But that's definitely got to be a a part of it. And I think for Tatum too, Tatum, like he's got to be better catch and shoot. I think the off the dribble stuff is stuff that's in his bag. That's going to be something that he can go to all the time. But when teams are going to junk it up and when teams are going to be in zone, like catch and shoot, like you said. The entire is, team needs to be better catch and shoot. If they're except Jalen. Jalen. Jalen's actually a catch and shoot guy. And occasionally Marcus oh, – I don't know. Marcus Smart, uh, you, he is what he is. 13 threes tonight, partly because that's the guy that the Heat want shooting threes. He's knocked down four of them, but – and I, someone like it wasn't, it was pretty egregious in the first half, but like the Celtics, he made, he made some of them too when the Celtics were not playing any defense well, were, and needed buckets. They only hit four threes in the second half. And it's, you just, the Celtics basically this entire year have been more built on in one games by volume three point shooting and knocking down at least like 40% of those threes. And they're just like, if you told me that the Celtics shot 32% from a three in a game, I was like, yeah, well, there's no chance they're going to win that. Like, that's just not how they've won the games this entire season. And so if it's using a junk zone, and that's the crazy thing about the playoffs is like, you're never the regular season. You're never going to get this much zone and you're going to be able to run your offense and kind of the, like the matchup problems that the Celtics have, it's going to create a lot of opportunities to um, get good offense, but the beauty of the playoffs is like crazy things can come out and there's like specific matchups and that remember when we had your buddy rick on the pod and, and he's predicted and he said he's like you know what's going to be huge in the bubble zone defense and he told us that before the nba even came back how important zone defenses were going to be i wonder how much the celtics will put that into their repertoire moving forward because sometimes it's just like it's not even so much about the zone defense that you play but just okay these guys are getting this look this look against pick and roll coverage let's just throw some junk at them and and make them find something else take away the ways that they were getting those shots those opportunities there was a play during this game where i think time lord was in the game and i think they like switched to zone like mid play and it looked like the Heat had like a wide open lane to the rim, but it just like it confused him and the Heat threw the ball away. And it is about like throwing different looks at things. I think there's a lot to learn from the Raptors series in that as well as like using the regular season to be able to practice those zones so you can use them in the playoffs. Because that's the thing about the Heat is like we saw them play their kind of funky zone with the forwards up, guards back in the regular season. That's something they're comfortable wanting. That was like seven years ago. That was last – that was January. That was literally eight months ago uh, when the Seas went to Florida. Um, but, yeah, it's like that's something that they're probably going to have to put into the rep, like repertoire next year is being able to just practice zones throughout the year and then um, implement it in the playoffs. It's wild how, like, much the NBA evolves and changes. Like, I would have never thought that, like, we'd be talking about, you know, the Celtics need to implement – different wacky zones next year if they're going to want to compete at an elite level but it's like the best teams like that's how you slow down elite offensive teams is giving them these different looks and it's frustrating because it feels like they kind of got an answer to the zone um in terms of like as the series went on they did like a much better job of attacking it but for whatever reason it's just like when it came down to crunch time like it's just like not a I guess more thought had to go into it. It's just not something they were like ever seemed extremely comfortable with. It seems like they had to like remind themselves every single time. Okay. Like send a guy to the middle and then they get down seven. And it's like, we forgot all of those principles. Let's pass the ball around until Kemba takes a semi-contested three. So much zone defense. We're in the zone. It It seemed like every game we were talking about zone defense, one or the other, like whether, whether they beat it, whether they, didn't beat it. It was every game, the last two series, box and ones, three, triangles two, and twos. two, three, triangle and two. What the hell? 2020 is a wild year, man. It is a wild freaking year. You want to do two six packs tonight? One from the oh. game and one from the season? Oh, boy. I don't wow. know if I'm prepared to do one from the season. I, I'm I, not either. I'm not either. Not at all. But let's do it's, it. No, let's see. Let's save that. We got oh, no. some content oh, from no. later in the week. What are we going to talk about on Tuesday? We got it. 
we got everything to talk about on Tuesday, the entire offseason to lay out and discuss and get into. Right now, we're doing double six-pack for the people. All right, let's do start off with today's game, Mr. Fucking just going for it, 12-packing it. Uh, let's. What's your first pick oh, from today? Pick? Yeah, if you're going to throw me on the spot right now, I have to think back for the entire season. Uh, <laughs> Marcus Smart's absurd finish. The absurd finish where they had the slow-mo, and I have no clue how he even shot it. I think it was on Dragic, right? And they showed the slow-mo, and he was like like going oh, like that like back and forth and kind of leaning Falling to the ground, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a wild shot, but it went in. I enjoyed the slow-mo. That was one of the times when slow-mo really, really gave you the degree of difficulty. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with the Time Lord stretch where he checked in uh, and just completely changed the game, knocked down a three in transition after changing Jimmy Floater, then protects the rim. Kemba hits a step back three. Hold on, Time Lord knocked down a three in transition? No, uh, he changed the Jimmy Floater, and then Tatum Uh, knocked down a three in transition. Then he protected the rim. Um, I don't know. Like I'm trying to remember other moments in this game – that were cool. The Jalen Brown uh, domination series um, where he got hold on, clipped. Hold on, hold on, hold are, on. Is this a pick? What are you doing right now? This is my second pick. Officially? Oh, this, officially. Oh, okay. The Jalen Brown attacking domination series where he just uh, got the steal, got clipped by Jimmy Butler, which was absolutely should have been called a foul. You're just not allowed to do that. And Jalen has this thing. I think he did it multiple times this series where he falls down and immediately acts like his leg is completely blown out. I thought he had a bad injury when he went down right That's there. A, but it's the second. Am I wrong? It's the second time he's done that, and then just kind of pops back up and like wins. He was working on. He was working on the leg over on the side. I, I'm gonna give him credit. I think he was legitimately it, hurt, but it was like still like, oh no, that's like he broke his, he tore his ACL or something. But to then come back and then basically just foul the shit out of Tyler Hero and get another dunk uh, was pretty cool. That was. I liked it. That was a good stretch. I'm going to Grant Williams, just just Grant Williams in general. He had the only – he was a key contributor to the only effective stretch of Celtics defense in the entirety of game six. I thought he did a nice job. He stripped Bam one of the few times that Bam wasn't just dominating. So Grant Williams, salute to him. It was a uh, a solid, solid stint for him. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And then my second one. What's my second one? Your third one, bro. Yeah, third third one overall. Um, I'm going with... I I thought about going with the war on Tice because... I mean, it's notable. It's notable. It never ended. Uh, But I'm going with... What am I going with? What? Am I going with? And you wanted to do a potable twelve pack? Yeah, well, the the whole season's <laughs> the whole season's easier. Uh, I'm going with the way that the Celtics all sounded after after the the loss. Like, Kemba was like, "I don't have any regrets. We played hard all season." Tatum was like, "Yeah, you know, we had so much fun together." Everybody just loved this team. And obviously it was a frustrating conference final series and a lot went wrong. Remarkably different feel from the end of last year. Uh, When Terry Rozier was just lighting up everybody. everybody Brad was like, we just like, that team over there has championship. They're way fucking better than we are. They've got championship habits. I got a bunch of fucking morons. (laughs) So, yeah. Brad, I mean, Brad was asked about regrets and said he regretted the outcome, but doesn't regret anything they put in. That's a classic Zen master quote or a Kaizen master quote. 
what else what else was said in there it was just a bunch of guys who liked this team a whole lot and i mean it's it's easy to forget that because of how the last series went and because they kind of fell apart down the stretch of a lot of those games but this series was this season was unexpected this season was i mean they lost Kyrie they lost Horford they came with Daniel Tice, who was their third string center at the time as their starter. Nobody thought the Celtics were going to be as good as they were. They got good enough that people thought they had more talent in the Eastern Conference Finals than their opponents. So some people might still think that. Some this people, guy. <laughs> <laughs> some people might still think that. It's true. So it was this. They liked each other this year. They didn't hate each other. So that was that was a good thing. That's a positive. Um, my my honorable mention for my final picks gonna go to Tyler Hero, just for being. He had this runner off one foot like a floater from the foul line. It's just like the cockiness that you must have to take that shot and then just to drain it like the net doesn't move. I was just. Like, I'm very impressed by that player. Like, he's just good. Uh, and so just that he's shot. Swaggy, swaggy dude. That shot. I like, don't even like the word swaggy, but that like motherfucker. That man, has swaggy. It. that man has it. Like, and I got to give credit to like, that I was just impressed by that. But for my final pick is just going to be uh, Jason Tatum's inability to score points in the first quarter. It makes no sense. It's something that ideally uh, would change moving forward because um first quarter points count as much as the other quarters like he still finished the game uh with a double double and seven uh boards and 24 points but like for why he just did not score first quarter points in the games four five and six it's unexplainable it just doesn't make it i don't know why but it happened it did it did all right now six back from the entire season i'll give you the first pick this is so tough, and it is, but I think uh, the war on Tice is gonna be like one of the things I remember the most. Like, it was comical that we got like so much. Like, Mike Gorman started referring to the war on Tice, he started making a joke out about it every single broadcast. Uh, it was lasted, it was consistent. Tice fell out of so many games. Uh, Tice's face, just the pure rage in his face when he gets called for a questionable foul, uh, was fantastic. The memes, uh, I think it's like one of the biggest memories uh, of this year. Tatum's rise. That was going to be my next pick. Damn it. That was pretty easy pick. I mean, it's it's easy to forget that he started this season very inefficiently. And it was sort of a a continuation of he couldn't what make happened, a layup. What he happened in the second year last he October? <laughs> couldn't make a layup. Had like some two for 17, two for 18 type games was just not looking particularly good. And then all of a sudden, it's like the middle of January. It's as soon as he was named an all-star. He's just like the middle of January. It can't even snap, bro. And, and he, there you go. Please, please. I was snapping that whole time, but I just, I just had it in front of the mic so you couldn't hear me. But he... I mean, he, he made the all-star team when he was mostly inefficient, which is a testament to how damn talented he is. But then he just kind of hit the turbo button on his season, and the rest of the way was special. I mean, for a, th- a third year, what he did in the playoffs. And it like like I said, it's it's easy to overlook what he did during the playoffs because of some of the fourth quarter issues that the whole team had. Because some of the, you know, first quarters, he went scoreless, like you said. But the jump that he took from missing layups and being inefficient for like one and a quarter season straight (laughs) to all of a sudden being efficient, number one option, while also being a plus defender and averaging like 27, 28 points per game. Just just a crazy, crazy in-season leap that, I, I mean, I, I knew he was going to be really good, but 
his improvement this year was just eye-opening. His stretch, like there's three games that stick out to me. is like both games against the Clippers and then the game in Los Angeles against the Lakers where they still end up losing, but it was like Tatum versus LeBron. He is the like best – like Tatum was the best player on the court and just like I – it was wild. But like he was just prime time, Jason Tatum, I have arrived. I'm a goddamn legend. I'm 22 years old. It was – those games are the ones that stick out the most to me from like kind of the ascendance of Tatum. Kemba Walker's smile is my next pick. <laughs> that man is a You're a smi- big softy. He's a smiley dude. Just and it, and I, I pick it because obviously like that's just kind of how he plays. I think he said at one point this season he doesn't play well if he gets mad. Or he he does, doesn't think you could play the game of basketball when you get mad. Some guys would disagree with that, but Kemba is just always smiling. Even when he complains to referees, he's smiling. Immediately, he, just, he gets he gets like angry for a second, then he runs back down the court and is just all cheesing. Like the it's wild. He's all cheesing, and I think he obviously his mentality, his mindset was huge for the Celtics this season. And when Tatum grabbed the torch, like he he just. Gave it to him. He pushed it away, wanted Tatum to be the best player on the team, wanted Jalen Brown to excel, wanted everybody else around him to be great. And I think that that's part of why those guys were were so good. And so I, I picked Kemba Walker smile just because it was a goofy pick. Um, but it's but a good one. I do think it's also, you know, symbolic of – the impact that he had on what was a broken ass locker room last season and had none of those issues until game two of the Eastern conference finals this year. I'm going to go with um, Marcus smart. I love him and I trust him just that thing emerged, but like the memory of all those threes he hit against uh, the 76ers is just absolute. Was that the Sixers or the Raptors? I don't even remember. This is why memories. It was the Raptors, Raptors game two against game the Raptors. Two against the Raptors, yeah. Where he just came out, and it's like you have to, you have to love what he does for Celtics, and you have to trust him because he can do that. He emerged like at some point he was a top five off the dribble three point shooter in the league this year. Like he's just gotten consistently better, and just the crazy, insane, impacting, winning plays. Like he's exactly who you'd want on the court. You'd probably. People get upset with me because they accuse me of not criticizing uh, Marcus Smart enough. But, like, you kind of have to live with the nonsense he does because he cares so much. And just the grifting, the grift off against Lowry, that's just like the epic series of against the Raptors was fantastic. But I think game two was the epitome of just loving and trusting Marcus Smart, where it's just like you, you just kind of laugh. And it takes me back to all – what was the game where he shot – what was that, 11 – made 11 three-pointers? That was the Phoenix game. Was yeah. That, this, that was this season, That was huh? this year, yeah. Like, that was like at least four decades ago. That game, I uh, I think Bontemps was missing, so I managed to sneak down to the real press row and sat between you and Corrales <laughs> and hearing you just – cackle after every time he would attempt a three is going to be a big uh fun memory and that's the class that's the marcus smart experience yeah that was that was a special i mean he he made 11 threes didn't he take 20 something yeah he took 11 threes in like the first quarter <laughs> that that was that was a fun night and i i for the people who don't who don't know when i watch marcus smart take ambitious threes i enjoy it good if they go in if they if they miss i am i'm a huge fan huge huge fan just because it's entertainment and so yes that night there was there was cackling in the press box what you got Uh, next that's a good question i'm gonna this is not gonna be my final pick but it's definitely honorable mention okay uh, Javante Green's just jumping ability. That like, is, that guy is uh, – <laughs> like, I don't think he can be in the top six, but, man, can that guy jump. That man, guy that fly. guy, he jumps high, he jumps long. He's just one of the best jumpers I've ever seen. Then he jumps uh, – it's like he he's a quick jumper. Fast like, jumper. <laughs> yeah. That man can really, really fly. 
Oh, this is a great, another honorable mention. Glad you clicked on it. But Grant Williams hitting that first three after starting uh, 0 for 22 to open his 0 career. 0 for 25. Damn. And then to him, like, to, re- like, rebound in the playoffs and then knock down his, like, first five threes or whatever it was. Uh, just the the wild ride that was Grant Williams' uh, three-point shooting uh, this year. Another uh, honorable mention, I'm just going to be, is just the – the Ennis Cantor experience, um, how upset people would get anytime he'd be in the game. It's just like the full meltdown of Celtics Twitter. The online angst during every Cantor stretch was fantastic. The He's the king of um, – I, I was trying to think of how to phrase this, but like if you smoke a bunny – you want Ennis Cantor underneath the basket right there, like the off, like easy offensive rebound putback. Sure, he might smoke that bunny right again, but he's going to get that rebound and then put it back himself. The amount of times he went down the court and had three offensive rebounds and one field goal in like a solid possession is just um, was fun. And then the pure rage I felt anytime uh, someone attacked him in a pick and roll. And and just like knock down a jumper. I still have jo- like the image of Josh Richardson just burned into my head of that From one opening game. night. Yeah, where it's like Cantor was like immediately he's like you knew coming in that he was going to be a defensive liability in his opening night. And it's like God damn it! And then just him in the locker room, just um, just he's just such a a ham, just a camera whore. Uh, it's it's. <laughs> funny like it's like ridiculous like just calling like reporters over like why didn't you tweet me like tweet about this story he's just a just a wild wild ride and just to end with him uh being just fantastic tan uh the Ennis Kander experience has to be an honorable mention not my final pick though um my final pick and I'm glad we talked through this because this part of my process Vinny sex pants (laughs) Vincent Poirier shows up with just the most outrageous things, and I call him Vinny Sex Pants, and someone calls him it on Twitter. I think Jared Weiss, and then he starts calling himself Vinny Sex Pants, gets surgery on his finger, immediately posts on Twitter a picture of him in a cast with the caption Vinny Sex Finger. <laughs> like, yeah, he he took your outrageous nickname to another level and made it so much grosser and like so much weirder and it's like something that Vinny Sex Pants would uh have to say but um yeah I mean I think that has to be my final pick. I completely forgot about that uh because Vinny was uh not much of an impact on the court we'll say but like for that to blossom this year is uh fantastic Now I have to pick Tracks through some honorable mentions that helped my process. Uh, this one's a good one um, from Coil24. Remember Tice's block on the end, uh, Trey Young in the Hawks game where he just played the best one-on-one defense you ever seen a big man play? Yeah. Yeah. Watch the games. B1 said Brad hyping up the crowd before inserting Taco has to be an honorable we mention. We haven't even mentioned Taco Fall, but the Taco Mania experience is pretty wild where he was the new Geno and people would go, remember live basketball with crowds? in That, was, that <laughs> was crazy. But crowds loved taco. Crowds lived for taco. Summer league, taco was the star of the entire summer league. It was Zion, like, here, and taco, like, way up here. <laughs> and, and Zion was the most hyped rookie since probably LeBron. It was just electric every taco experience was electric i felt bad for him at first because i thought people were kind of treating him like like a freak but he's such a good dude about it all and he's so nice about it all that it's just kind of heartwarming how how much he embraced it and how much like how much I, his teammates think, were like chanting we want taco and like they wanted yeah, to get him in the I game think too. It, i think it went from something that was like people sort of mocking him to everyone actually fell in love with taco fall or maybe they always love taco fall in the first place but they all certainly love taco fall now the the, the taco ride was fantastic another, another <laughs> honorable mention preseason carson edwards that one quarter against cleveland was incredible shout out to aziz uh who does our pregame our our intro, our intro. carson edwards was so good that he got 
like his own bars on the intro and then it's just not been relevant ever since <laughs> yeah yeah that that poor intro aziz is an incredible rapper one of my good friends a brother to me but he got he got duped by preseason Carson Edwards. A meaty thigh is Carson Edwards. <laughs> he got he really got duped. And Carson Edwards just wearing the shortest shorts possible. I mean, that's bringing trying to bring back that look. So it's fantastic. I all I also think Brad Wanamaker's so solid becoming so a, a key contributor. That's like one of the overlooked cool things about this season was that itself like brad wanamaker played for years overseas he wasn't a huge college star at all just a tough dude from philly who grinded and grinded and grinded to get his chance then barely got a chance as a rookie like a 29 year old rookie whatever he was even though the celtics were falling apart around him and then he came back and was just Pretty good all season long. Pretty, just solid, solid contributor. Yeah, just kind of seized seized the opportunity, and so I think that was really cool for a guy who fought so long to make the NBA, and then finally got a real chance in the NBA. Like he was after one year, he was borderline NBA. Probably if he didn't have a good year this year, might have gone back to overseas. But he's an NBA player. He proved it had some some good years or had a lot of really solid sturdy games <laughs> never really passed in transition but that was part of the fun but he was, was very good at like getting to the rim like he's yeah pro- one of the best drivers on the team and just like and like the hesitation kind of layup of just he's quite good at it so i i don't think you can i, I don't think i can justify that brad wanamaker being your final pick so i'm gonna make you do one more no that that was that was honorable mention um my final pick, the entire Jalen Brown experience. It, I mean, we, we haven't even talked about him yet, which is it kind of epitomizes the year that he had. He was really good, really efficient from the start. He never really got much credit for it because first it was Kemba coming in to a new team. Then it was Jason Tatum becoming the superstar and all along it was just Jalen Brown getting better and playing well attacking off the dribble like that was the most effective Celtics offense for many points in this series but like that emerged this year of oh Jalen Brown's can drive left Jalen Brown can do some dribble moves in the lane Brown once in a while like throws an up fake and yeah relies on patience near the rim rather than sheer athleticism his his the expansion of his game was really really impressive and because of the situation because of Walker because of Tatum because of all the other things that were worthy of writing stories about Jalen was just kind of kept going under the radar kept going under the radar and and then you add all the all the social justice stuff that he's done and the the voice that he had throughout the playoffs in the bubble driving 15 hours to well, basically emerging as like protest near his hometown in Atlanta. He's like emerges like the voice of like, it feels like the players the voice uh, of progress. Yeah. And it's like him stepping up in the players only meeting after the bucks went on the strike and being like, people were kind of upset that the bucks didn't warn them. He's like, no, fuck that. They did what they believed in and we should be supporting them. Like, that's very cool. Uh, he's definitely going to have a voice, like probably going to be like head of the union or something like that moving forward. It's going to be, he's just had like tremendous growth as, um, and it's like, he's had like very profound comments and very thoughtful comments um, throughout this entire process. And, but he's also like self-aware, which I very much appreciate uh, where he's like, I'm 23 and a basketball player you guys shouldn't necessarily be looking to me for all the answers, but it's sad, like, and it's kind of messed up that you do, but like, I don't know. I just felt like he was very present and aware in the moments. And um, it's just like wise beyond his years and something that like I could have never done. And probably it's just very impressed by him as a human being um, beyond all the growth as a basketball player. And I think he's always wanted to have that voice, but I felt like he really grew into it and kind of lived up to the moment where 
everyone needed to hear that stuff. And, and he, he was about that. He's been about that from the start, but I think his voice just grew more and more powerful the more he spoke about it and like the, the whole Jalen experience. And I thought even game six, like no matter what went wrong for the Celtics this year, Jalen could always be counted on to just kind of keep trudging along. And that's, that's kind of been him throughout his Celtics career. And he, he doesn't get as much credit for it as smart. And that, like smart deserves all the defensive credit he gets, all the credit for his toughness that he gets. But a lot of the times when the Celtics are wobbly, it's Jalen with like some surge of energy surge to the bucket steel that kind of revitalizes them. And so he's, he, I don't think I credit him enough for the improvements he made this year. I don't think a lot of people credit him enough for the improvements he made this year, but he just really, really had an impressive year and he and Tatum together. They're, the best wing duo, your best young wing duo in the league, and will be moving forward uh, for the Celtics. Um, we're ha- we're coming up on the hour mark, so we got to wrap this up. But I got one more bonus pick for bonus. this. Anything is possible. I mean, we well, this is our first year. It's been a, a a long year, but we came on the scene, and it was just. Um, instantly uh instantly magic i mean sure we got a lot of reps in from our locked on celtics day but um i thought we've uh we grew with the podcast i think there's some stretch there is in the middle where we kind of turned into a bickering couple um but we <laughs> we worked the things out i think we got our chemistry now we started doing live on i think actually when we pivoted to video we got much better um, my, my dad at once asked me he's like is everything okay between you and jam <laughs> You guys have been arguing a lot on the podcast. Like, there was yeah. a stretch there. It was just like it was just like every we we're just at each other's throats. But you know what? Like you sometimes well, we see that the teams do that. Sometimes you gotta yell it out, but yeah. Now we're now we're golden. And the um our great interview series uh of all of the media members during the during the quarantine, and, you know, we just kept it going and then we just been coming live on Periscope. We've we Kaizen this. We have been getting better as it's going on. And so have the fans. All the people who are in, in the chats and sending in questions have been like, shout outs to you guys. It's been super thankful and cool to kind of be able to have, like share this experience with you guys. And there's a lot of memories that they even brought up when trying to do it now that like I wouldn't have remembered. But the listener gods have been fantastic this entire year. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Like I mean, when we first started this show neither of us had ever really hosted the show because Corrales was always in charge and Corrales is great at that. So we, we both had to grow. You, you took over the reins as the host. You just kind of, you Jason Tatum, Tatum me out of the way. I I just had to be Kemba Walker, just taking, taking a a step back and allowing you to thrive and step into the role that you deserved. (laughs) <laughs> thank you thank you for being Kemba to my Jason Tatum <laughs> yeah and uh so yeah I mean it's it's been it's been a cool cool run we I mean we had a podcast when there was nothing going on for months I don't even remember what the fuck we talked about we just started talking to our no friends clue. in the Celtics media and just be like so how'd you get here <laughs> yeah I mean it was it was a fun run it was an entertaining team to cover to 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 talk about and we'll we'll be here all off season long we probably won't do every single day but we'll we'll figure out a schedule we'll let you guys know what the schedule will be and now we got, I think- a, we got a draft coming up we got free agency uh Celtics got three picks like we got i gotta start learning about draft players which is never fun because you like i don't know these things but we'll have draft guys on they'll have smart things but that's the crazy thing about basketball is that it never stops and we're uh neither does the podcast we'll never stop and hopefully you guys never stop listening to us before uh, we go before you i can tell you're getting ready for the sign off that's that's a veteran move by me the people want to know what's the recipe for a 2021 title jam you, they need they need you to tell them that it's possible why it's going to happen just like when things went wrong during series you were there as the guy to provide a blueprint for the future. Now 
Celtics are out this year, but next year. I mean, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals with uh, you're going to expect. Think about how much better Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. We just talked about how much they improved over the course of one year. I don't know if they're going to have that much growth, but it's a growth based organization. It's all about incremental progress. It is about Kaizen. You have to imagine their two foundational stars are going to improve and get that much better. Not to mention you're going to have a much more seasoned uh we talked about the bench depth lacking this entire year. We basically got nothing from Romeo Langford the entire year. I think he has a chance to become a more impactful player, give them something off the bench. You're going to have better moments from Grant Williams, better moments from Robert Williams. I don't know what I think we can, we'll definitely talk about this moving forward. Contract year for Gordon Hayward. I'm assuming he's going to opt in expiring contract could be, uh, either Gordon Hayward playing for that money and we get great Gordon Hayward like we got this year or could be a piece that you trade, um, but you have the foundation. You have the foundation there of the, the best two best young wings in the league. Kemba Walker is still only 30 years old. It's not like he's going to have a downfall. The foundation is placed. It's part of the reason that it makes this year so frustrating is because they're so close and had the chances. But if you're this close and you have the young core coming back, I mean – they should be in the Eastern Conference Finals next year. It's going to be a harder road. Uh, it's going to be tougher, but Jason Tatum's an all-NBA player now. You can only expect him to get better. Jalen Brown's going to get better. He's gotten better his entire career. The bench is going to improve. Everything's going to get better. Live basketball is probably going to return. I mean, what more can you ask for? It, the Celtics are a contender and will be a contender as long as they have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on their team. As soon as the Tatum contract is inked like that you have that locked in for the next four years i'm not even you don't even have to focus on 2021 we're talking about 2021 through 2024 the celtics will be a title contender because those two guys are that good and they're going to continue to get better boom boom and you want to know why you know another reason like why like you have to have hope moving forward because anything is possible That was corny as fuck. <laughs> that was corny. <laughs>